0: My fellow clubs, River is setting a new standard in Bitcoin. At river.com, you'll pay zero fees when you dollar cost average. Truly the best way to build your Bitcoin wealth. All Bitcoin at River is held in secure cold storage with 100% full reserves. There's no need to wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin to withdraw at any time. Additionally, River lets you make Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network, offers a Lightning integration for developers, and allows you to mine bitcoin directly to your river account river has a level of service that is unheard of in this industry including phone support private client advisors and the ability to designate beneficiaries to inherit your bitcoin wealth river has become the premium name in bitcoin that anyone can easily access sure you have a place to buy bitcoin but have you tried river See and feel the difference at River.com and the River iOS app, the preferred partner of Bitcoin magazine. My fellow clubs, today's podcast is also brought to you by Moon Mortgage. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your assets into real estate. through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets. Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investments in owner-occupied property. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will also be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.com today to register and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number
1: 235334. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. I've really been looking forward to this one. We're kind of doing a bit of an early morning Cosmic Bitcoin sesh. Uh, I know you're over in Europe, so accommodating the time difference there. So it's kind of a nice way to kick off the day today. But I'll just say I'm I'm a really big fan of your work and I I love the way that you describe Bitcoin and both kind of a philosophical and I'd say like almost a poetic lens a lot of times. I I just find your work so evocative and yeah, really inspiring too and, and quite positive. So I'm looking forward to it's unpacking a lot of that today. But yeah, f- first of all, I just kind of wanted to understand, like, oftentimes when people come across Bitcoin for the first time, you know, they see it as kind of a curiosity, perhaps not, you know, understanding the full implications of what this digital money might represent as as both a store value, but also its ability to scale around the world. Um, and so first of all, I would just be curious, like when you first saw Bitcoin, did you recognize it as money? and I guess that kind of also relates to, did you understand the significance of money? Like, I know CK, my co-host, he's not with us today. He, he often talks about how Bitcoin causes people to become more financially literate. Like, fiat under fiat, everyone <laughs> has to be, I guess, financially illiterate for, for the system to continue functioning, I would argue. So yeah, I guess quite a few questions there. But overall, like, what was your, your first impression of this technology?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for all the compliments. It warms my heart a lot to hear that, of course. Yeah, I love what I do and I keep on doing it. It uh, shows. I think your
1: passion really comes through.
2: Thank you. Well, I first discovered Bitcoin somewhere like 14, 15, maybe maybe even earlier. I didn't really deep dive into it until 2016 when I took a course and started to try to understand it properly. But... The question: When did I realize it was money? It's sort of... It's. I'd like to. I'd like to flip that instantly here and say that it's not money. <laughs> it's. It's just an agreement between people on a fixed set of rules with which we can uh, interact with one another. In a way, it's money. If money was perfect, in the collective understanding of the word money we never had anything that was absolutely finite and also at the same time absolutely infinitely divisible or for any practical purposes infinitely divisible so we never seen anything like this before and the notion of bitcoin being money might have been a it might have been a, a, a bad thing from satoshi and company to market it as money in the first place If they would have just instead marketed it as a funny set of mathematics with which we can interact with one another, then maybe all of these misconceptions about that legislators and so on have about it could have been avoided if we had never used the word money in the first place. Because I I think Bitcoin transcends money and even assets or... (laughs) everything it's it's its just a, a way to use information to you know make come to life a a rule set that is not changing unless everyone agrees that a change is in order in other words it can only ever get better and never get worse because everyone needs to agree that the the change is for for the better and we never had anything like it before so so i i keep on to figure out what it is and what it will do to to humanity and the deeper i dig the the more insanely bullish and optimistic i become
1: no likewise absolutely and I, i think that's it's such a a foreign thing like trying to understand i mean first of all like predicting the future is an impossibility but but secondly like this is such a new capacity for humanity we've never had this ability before and i think one way that that you describe it is, you know, let me just pull up the quote. In, in Independence Reimagined, you just write, absolute, absolute mathematical scarcity achieved by consensus in a sufficiently decentralized distributed network was a discovery rather than an invention. It cannot be achieved again by a network made up of participants aware of this discovery, since the very thing discovered was resistance to replicability itself. And I think that, I mean, it's just such a mind-blowing concept to think about, like, we're instantiating resistance to replicability within information which has never been possible before and it's i mean michael saylor has has such a you know a profound way of describing what digital energy is but it's it's this like very strange melding of the physical world into the digital and yeah it's just i don't know it's just so mind-blowing and i think uh, a way that Gigi describes it is we're we're a bunch of blind guys trying to figure out what an elephant is by using our hands and kind of feeling around in the dark. And it's just like, what what is this thing that we've you know we've found and perhaps discovered as as you say rather than invented? So I I think that's a thread I'd really like to pull on is like what is the difference between a discovery and an invention? Like what, what makes Bitcoin discovered? Like what is versus <clears throat> you know, concocted?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, the I, I I'd say that like the of course the the Bitcoin white paper was written by someone or a group of people, and that started the whole thing. And Satoshi, whoever that was, started mining. Paused his mining for two weeks, and then continued mining when the when the next miner came online. In order for the uh, you know immaculate conception. To happen, competition to be fair, and, and then disappeared after a while. So I think what we call Bitcoin today is not necessarily what was intended in the first place, nor what whatever someone's opinion about what it should or should not be, but it is something that has emerged out of these concepts. And like the for me, the, the big turning point and the 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 thing that really cemented my my ironclad belief in that this thing actually is actually real was the the block size wars and the segwit 2x hard fork that never happened back in 2017 which proved that the users were in control and not not the people making fiat money off of the name of bitcoin so so in the same way i think human intelligence emerged from some uh, simpler phenomena or how life emerged on earth from simpler things bitcoin emerged in the what we call bitcoin today emerged out of this cypherpunk movement at some some point i don't think there's a clear point in time well maybe when the with 2x hard fork was denied but it's it's sort of a fleeting thing when when this thing actually became what we call bitcoin today and i believe there's a point in time where we'll see the last ever fork in bitcoin and no one knows when when we've passed the last one and we can never implement a new one because the hurdles to do so is just too big and everyone thinks bitcoin is fine the way it is so, yeah, like like, like life, it's, it's very hard to define what it is, but it is something, and it is not, in that sense, it's not an invention, because an invention is a very specific thing, like a screwdriver is an invention, and it has a very specific purpose, and does a very specific thing, but Bitcoin is much more than that and does different things to different people. It touches absolutely everything and everything that has to do with human interactions. And I find it insanely fascinating. Yeah, Chris, I see you have your, your
1: hand raised there, but I just wanted to riff on that real quick is I, I often think try to think about like what the point of Bitcoin is. Like obviously it has an objective function to adhere to its emission schedule and turn out a block every 10 minutes. And and that really at a fundamental level, that's that's what it's trying to do. But I think there's also like this, there is like something deeper in trying in what Bitcoin represents for us. And I think at the end of the day is it's, and I've, I've spoken with Aaron Segal about this on, on Cosmic Bitcoin before, but it's a, a medium for like uncovering new information in the world. And I think, you know, I, I don't know how to, to say this too articulately, articulately, but I think it's it's for helping people understand themselves and their place in the world. And then, you know, we can bring all of our, our perspectives together in kind of a much more like a, a higher fidelity manner. And so I don't know, I, I, I just try to that's like what kind of keeps me up at night is like, what is what is the purpose of Bitcoin? And I mean, I, I think that also just makes people try to understand too, like, what what are the values that we hold to? Like, what ends are we trying to achieve? What what do we truly value? And I think that's kind of one of the radical recapitulations that Bitcoin engenders is like having people understand their values rather than just kind of, you know, walking through life, you know, under fiat, where I think uh, oftentimes like a lot of those value judgments are kind of not front and center. But when you have kind of this individual sovereignty, it really brings them to to the forefront. And I think that's something I I want to kind of unpack with you a bit more, too, is like what what kind of values does does bitcoin engender in people like what does it mean to to be a bitcoiner as well so i guess i'd like to yeah just kind of start with that like to, i know you've spoken often about your experience interacting with bitcoiners but i would just love to hear a little bit more about that
2: yeah to to try to simplify that in an answer of <laughs> Somehow, I'd like, I'd like to point out, like, like, currently, maybe this is because I'm currently writing a book about praxeology, but praxeology and deductive reasoning, first principles thinking, can lead you to the conclusion that, on the whole, voluntary consensual interactions between human beings are way better for civilizational advancements and improvements and better, the betterment of mankind, if you will than violent and coercive ones are and can ever dream to be. Like, the systems we've lived in so far are are flawed, all of them, because none of them have sound money in their base layers. But it was pretty obvious in hindsight that, you know, the American Constitution was a better way of, of cooperating between people than, what it, than the communi- Communist Manifesto was. Like, that was a better better ground to build on. And like the way I see it, the more, the more consensual voluntary interactions we can have in society, the better it is. And the, the fewer, the, the, the flip side of that coin is the fewer violent and coercive ones we have, the better, the better off we are. And that's what Bitcoin does. It, it points all vectors in that direction and helps people interact with one another without having to ask a third party for permission. So there's never a psychopath that can, that can like take over and use it to his advantage. Like the the rules are set and they're the same for each and every one of us. And that's the, the true beauty of the thing. So, and if you add to that, that it's not very easy to take someone's Bitcoin, Right now you can threaten anyone in the world and ask them to give you or give you all their bitcoins But you can never you can never know that they actually did that Because they can have more bitcoins than they gave you even if they give you a large sum of bitcoins Well, if they give you 21 million you can be pretty sure that they give you all that they had but chances of that are pretty small the point is that that in itself reduces the incentives for violence on every layer of society. It, it moves the shelling point for violent behavior. So it makes it harder for rent seekers and, and people who live off of others, the, 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 who live off the fruits of other people's labor. It will, they will have a harder time doing so in, in the future and in a Bitcoinized world. And I believe we're past the point where we can, where, where any one of these leaders or whatever can turn this thing off or like where we can stop this hyperbeconization from happening. It is going to happen. We don't know if it takes like four years, 40 years or 400 years. Nobody knows, but it will happen. It is simply the best way of interacting with other people there is for a multitude of reasons. So so I think that the 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 main thing that makes us as a species better to one another, that we we're we're not incentivized to be violent at all anymore in the long run. And if you add to that everything else that is beneficial that that we will lower our time preference because because we have a deflationary asset instead of an inflationary one, so that we Will value quality over quantity in the future. That's a massive benefit for everyone. Will make us less consumerist and more Buddhist, if you will, <laughs> or Stoic. I think slowly but surely it kind of leads people to the insight that the philosophical insight that that which they can do without they own. So material excess is not what it leads to. It leads to the opposite of that. It leads to. Ownership of your time and ownership of your life and what you want to do with it. And if if you appreciate Bitcoin for what it is, you probably won't won't want to buy Lambos for it. It's much more likely that you'll you'll like to live in a cottage somewhere with an internet connection and have take long walks with your dogs or something. So uh, yeah, I I think it's beneficial to the human psyche on multiple levels
1: yeah i absolutely agree and i would definitely want to unpack that like psychological aspect a bit more but i guess i'll, I'll give chris a sec to hop in here chris if you have a question for
3: yeah no i think a lot of great stuff spencer and Canute. I guess the, the one thing I wanted to unpack and I really love your thoughts on like, you know, the mind virus of Bitcoin's kind of its best attribute and kind of like I definitely say in this present moment, it's kind of, kind of one of the things that's most overlooked or under undervalued. But you said like the mentality of Bitcoiners and people that are on a Bitcoin standard is one of the greatest things. And I know you spoke about this in other Twitter spaces, but I guess going back to kind of what you were saying before, you were kind of mentioning the uh, upgrades or, or the changes to Bitcoin and that you don't really think they will happen. Maybe I'm misrepresenting. Representing it, But I guess let me just explain, like, I mean, obviously, we saw Taproot go through in 2021. And that was kind of like a speedy trial. And then we've kind of even seen recently, other people try and implement that whether that was Jeremy Rubin with T- CV, or even James O'Byrne with his most recent proposal for faults, uh, and he was trying to do it speedy trial. I guess I don't know if there will be I, – I can't say one way or the other if there's going to be more upgrades to Bitcoin or not. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is well, it was very important that the users are basically in control of Bitcoin, and we kind of saw that in 2017. Do you see like Speedy Trial or, or that implementation method of upgrades as potentially a risk for Bitcoin? This is kind of something that I've been mulling over recently because with Speedy Trial, it's kind of like you – the developers – and the miners are kind of colluding to change bitcoin and luckily we've had two cases where it kind of seems like it's been struck down obviously taproot had like many years of, of development but i guess i'm just curious your thoughts on like you're kind of advocating that bitcoin doesn't need any changes well i do think that there may be changes that come in the future but do you see like speedy trial as a risk to those upgrades
2: well bitcoin will need, need changes for sure there are some bugs that need to be fixed but i I'm not very technical in that sense, but I do believe it that if Bitcoin works the way it, <laughs> we think it will work, the the changes and upgrades will be fewer and further apart, until we reach a point where where Bitcoin is perfect, basically. That might that might take one year or ten years or a hundred years. I don't know, but at some point, if we have enough people on the on the planet that run their own nodes it's going to get harder and harder incrementally harder and harder over time to make people agree to that degree that that they can actually change change the code and, and because like resistance to change is one of the absolutely one of the most important aspects of this thing but as i said the upgrades that actually happen they happen because everyone agreed that it was a good idea and who's who knows their shit and are running the software and (laughs) verifying everything they decide and if they're all in agreement i mean how how do we define what was good and what was bad if everyone is in agreement that's what that's a definition of good so so that's why i say that if you view this from another way bitcoin can only get better because worse it's not an option, if you understand what I mean.
0: My fellow clubs, come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code Live to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. As 2023 begins, The Broke Issue stares head-on into the looming realities of a broken economy, a more broke central bank, and considers how Bitcoiners can share their knowledge, their projects, and their mentalities to remain strong economic nodes throughout the winter. As a global Bitcoin news medium with a mission to accelerate hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoin Magazine is for all Bitcoiners, the curious, convicted, and the maximalists. Inside Bitcoin Magazine, you will find exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, and powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Each issue will be shipped safely in a secure box mailer to protect the integrity of each copy. Print magazines, not money. Buy Bitcoin magazine.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think like at a fundamental level, it's, it's really the incentives are you know, they don't need to be changed for the Bitcoin network to do what it needs to do. I think there may, you know, maybe a need for incremental, small changes to the code.
2: Uh, for... I, I'd say it's, it's it's absolutely paramount that the incentive structure is not changed. Mm-hmm. The, the the like the 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 likelihood of this thing actually working and growing to the to what it is today are so so enormously small. We're really lucky that history played out the way that it, that it did. Because had it played out some other way and had like Ethereum surpassed Bitcoin back in 2017 when everyone was talking about the fucking flippening or whatnot, <laughs> then the whole the whole experiment might, might have failed. And uh, I believe we're past that point, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, so like tampering with this thing and, and trying to change it, If you, if you don't know what you're doing on a very, very deep level, you should probably not try to change it. You, and if you're running your own node and like, if, if you don't, if you're unsure about an upgrade, just run the software you're already running. Like, don't, don't try to change this thing and destroy it. Having said all that, all the later changes that have been done are soft forks and they are optional, at least to a certain extent, I mean, I don't like the ordinals and that kind of behavior, but then again, I'm I'm gonna, you know, I, I don't care what you pay, but I'm gonna fight to the death for your right to pay it, as as Giacomo paraphrased uh, uh, Voltaire or Evelyn Beatrice Holt. The thing is, those those noisy things might be a thing right now, but in the long run, Bitcoin is going to be way too valuable. The on-chain transactions are going to be way too valuable for, for people to play with it in that sense and put, put pictures on it and stuff. You, you know, all, right now, you, if you take any point in time, if you take right now, you have a chance at getting a message into the next Bitcoin block. And that window is 10 minutes on average at each and every point in time. So if you want to put anything in the next bitcoin block you have 10 minutes to do so and then after those 10 minutes have passed that chance is lost forever and you can't no one can no one can alter that so so, so time space as i prefer to call it instead of block space i think it's a vastly underpriced asset because you only have this this 10 minute window every 10 minutes to do something with it and after that 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 time has passed and you can no longer claim to be the guy that put this funny limerick or whatever in that block or or (laughs) made this funny transaction whatever still i I think that the the ordinals and such and you know these experiments are proof of how early we are we still are in bitcoin
1: yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, when I first like really got into Bitcoin, I, you know, would stay up late at night thinking, oh my gosh, like I need, I need to get more, you know, it's, I don't want, I don't want to be late to this. And the more and more I learn, the more I realize, you know, we are so unbelievably early. It's kind of uh, I mean, it's really a, a rather small group of Bitcoiners that are, I mean, all in might be the wrong word, but psychologically all in, I guess I'll say people that truly understand the potential and see the, I guess the game theory playing out in a certain way. So, I mean, it's. it's...
2: I, I think. Let, let me just interrupt you there for a second and say, I still think no one does. <laughs> I think no one knows what this this thing is. So, saying that you know what it is, it, it's it's like. It's it's the arrogance that comes with being a human. We say that we can fix climate change, or we say that we can colonize other planets and stuff. We just don't know. Like admitting that you don't know is, in my book, a a, a virtuous thing. And we don't know what Bitcoin is. We don't know what Bitcoin will be. We know that it can be extremely beneficial to us if it stays the way it is, and that's enough. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. I know you.
1: you're all good, and I think that really sparks something in me. Is like that ability to deal with uncertainty and to recognize the limits of our knowledge is so important and i think we see kind of that that arrogance or that like kind of fallacious kind of perspective in in fiat like we have this centrally planned money where the government thinks that they can you know calculate you know what everyone's time preference should be for whatever reason yet i think it's it's very clear that that's kind of an in, intractable task and i think it's like for us to recognize you know the self-determination of others and to recognize that we don't know you know what others are thinking or what they value and only only they do i think that's like one of the the most powerful aspects of bitcoin is like recognizing kind of the the individuality and agency of other people and i think i don't know, i think this definitely relates to something you wrote in in bitcoin magazine with regards to like bitcoin scaling solution and at, at the end of the day i think it's like how do I put this? I think, I think it really does help people interact harmoniously to let them, you know, self-determine is kind of a way of putting it. And um, I guess I'll just say we had we had Nizome Hayase on, on Cosmic Bitcoin recently, and and she talked about you know Bitcoin is love, and I think it's just such a powerful idea, and really encapsulates what we're trying to do with you know individual exchange. And yeah, I would just love to get your thoughts on like you know the role of I guess having boundaries between people, the role of allowing exchange between people rather than kind of coercion. You know, how, how do you, how do you think about? That? Yeah,
2: I can I can do a little TLDR about that article if you want. Like yeah. the first of all, like Bitcoin is deflationary, so that it alters our time preference. So we become we adopt a lower and lower time preference the the more we appreciate Bitcoin, meaning that we choose to save rather than spend. Which used delayed gratification rather than you know instant dopamine hits all the time. That's the general trend. So it will make everyone you know prioritize quality over over quantity in the long run. And also, like what we're doing now is a is one of bitcoin's use cases. there There are no SATs being exchanged between us. But you believe and I believe that we have something to gain from this conversation. So I, I'd say this conversation is a trade between between us and, and everyone in this room. Everyone in this room who voluntarily gave up their time to listen to this bullshit did so because they believed there was something of value there. And it's related to Bitcoin. So I'd say this is an aspect of Bitcoin too. The The... The idea of Bitcoin and the word Bitcoin, whenever whenever anyone hears it, it gets hammered into their brains more and more. And at the end of the day, that will lead into number go up at some point. Furthermore, if if you've been in the Bitcoin space for a while and if you interacted with Bitcoiners, you probably noticed something that I noticed and that is how friendly everyone is. And how eager everyone is to pick up the restaurant bill or, you know, just be a, a very nice guy. That that has many, many reasons. But mostly I think it is the, we feel that we can trust people who've been in Bitcoin long because they're simply trustworthy. So we treat them more like we treat our family. If, if you think about it, how you interact with your family or your closest friends, you very rarely... Use money, in the sense that you exchange small sums of money with one another. So, so all all these things taken together, I think the necessity for for money in the really l- long term perspective goes down rather than up. So we won't have to like th- that's why. While I think microtransactions is cool and that we have the ability to do them, that's absolutely awesome. I think people won't do. As many microtransactions in the future as they do now. Microtransactions themselves are a very fiaty thing. Bitcoin is about lowering your time preference and having trusting one another more. And like when, when you're Bitcoin stack, when when you realize that that's the most valuable thing you have, you'll trade you'll trade away absolutely everything else you have before you trade away your Bitcoin at some point, d- depending on your how deep your understanding is and that includes your reputational capital and 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 so on and so forth so that's why i think the the necessity for actual transactions to happen goes down rather than in the long run so that's the tldr on that and but what i mean by that is that bitcoin is love the, the thing it does it 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 returns us to to a state of just cooperating with one another for the sake of cooperating and for the sake of loving thy neighbor neighbor or whatever the correct expression is like we realize that collaborating is better than fighting everywhere always so so that's that's where we're going that's where we're headed
1: yeah no super super well said i think it it makes sense just that like the incentive would be you know to you know obviously save as much Bitcoin as you can. And one way you can do that is by reducing the number of transactions you send. And you can do that ultimately by fostering trust in between individuals in your life. And I think that's that's such a cool aspect of it. I mean, I suppose that
2: could apply to... Well, it, it, it's more like redu- when you say reducing the number of transactions, I, I'd say, you know, buying less crap. <laughs> that's, that's the key. Like, don't buy a ton of crap. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's no, totally. And and I mean, yeah, like like you said, it's just it's such a, a more cooperative and a harmonious system allowing people to do as they see fit. And I think, you know, we're all going to be better for that as well. And I, I think I've also listened to you speak a bit about kind of the pitfalls of democracy as it relates to cooperation. And I know you've talked about Hans-Hermann Hoppe's book, Democracy, The God That Failed. And I just I found that like for me when I was trying to wrap my head around Bitcoin and also just governance generally I found that to be such an interesting rabbit hole in itself especially within the libertarian community like trying to understand the pitfalls of democratic governance a systemic capture and, and things like that so yeah I'd be curious like do you do you have any specific thoughts on on democracy as a whole I know I know you've spoken with uh, Dean about this a little bit but would love to, to hear some of your thoughts there
2: yeah, my, my ideas about it are, are very similar to Seyfedine's, I think. And Hans Hermann Hoppe is an interesting character. I think he's one of the brightest people alive. He's been called racist and whatever, and he's been expelled for, from his university for... for for various reasons but still i can recommend all of his books democracy the god that failed is not the best book he wrote but it's still a fantastic book the the best book the best hopper book in my mind is in my opinion is one called economic science and the austrian method it's not a very sexy title but but still that's very good yeah the the No one ever questions democracy, or very seldom, because we're all spoon-fed the idea that this is the ultimate way to govern society from from a very young age. And we're kidnapped from our parents for eight hours a day for 12 years at least, and being spoon-fed this narrative and having it hammered into us almost every day during during those 12 years. So so it's very hard to, to find what's... It's just like money. It's very hard to find what's wrong with a, a systemic issue from within a system. We all live in de- democracies. I, I bet you that everyone in this space is living in a democracy or... Some sort some form of it, and we all have our ideas about what a democracy should be and what it shouldn't be and and we're all disappointed in whatever democracy we're living in because it's not delivering the goods and the The, the basic thing we forget to ask ourselves is what is the ethical foundations behind this way of governing people like why why? does a popularity contest every four years make theft less immoral? And that, that question is very hard to answer from a first principles perspective because it, it simply doesn't. It doesn't matter if you have a popularity contest, taking people's stuff and being violent to people is still wrong always. And we would be better off if we didn't do it. <laughs> But people believe that taxes are good and that we need them in order for society to work. What they don't see is what kind of society we would have without them. And if you count all the taxes, including the inflation, the tax rate is over 50 in every, percent in every country in the world. Because all of our inter- economies are intertwined and connected. So every time you buy something from another country All the taxes that were, uh, that all the workers and all the companies and everyone in that supply chain had to pay were there too. So you're also paying for those taxes. You're paying an enormous, an enormous part of everything you buy goes to taxes somewhere. If you follow the money, truly follow the money all the way, at least 50% is taken away. I would say it's closer to fucking 80% if you count everything. And the thing about taxes is like if you have an entrepreneur that grows an apple tree, and sells the apples and makes a profit so that he can buy another apple tree and sell the double amount of apples next year he can buy after the second year he can buy two new apple trees and expand his business so the third year he has a fourth apple tree the 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 fifth year he has a no the fourth year he has a he has eight apple trees and then 16 and then 32 and so on and so forth you get companies can expand exponentially if they're allowed to, but when you have a taxman taking fifty percent of the revenue, that apple farmer never gets to the second tree. So that's the part that we don't see. We don't know what the world would have been like if we had allowed entrepreneurs to expand and and satisfy more customers' needs everywhere, because taxes fuck with that very with the free market system which is still the best system we have for absolutely everything and anyone who says anything else hasn't done the deep dive yet so the, the democracy is a process that that feeds itself all the time and you very seldom hear politicians pr- promising the people less benefits and not to expand and uh, Just, uh, oh, if we get into power, we're all going to resign and remove all the laws and bureaucracy. No one ever says that. Because people want to believe that there's a free lunch. So they will vote for people who tell them that there's a free lunch. But there is no free lunch, and there cannot be. All that happens is that when you vote for a person that says there's a free lunch, which every party does in every country, is that you give them more power and them more free lunches? They're the ones getting the free lunch. So and I see so many sad things about democracies, like when you have a, a social security policy, for instance. You you and you you take from the rich and you give to the poor by by force, so by taxes. The thing you're doing is that you're incentivizing people to be poor and disincentivizing people to be productive. So the outcome will be fewer productive people and more unproductive people because it's now profitable to be unproductive yeah if if you can get a fixed amount of especially when bitcoin exists if you can get a free amount of fiat every month from the government you can just pour half of it into into bitcoin and then you know do whatever with the the other half and start your own little bitcoin business on the side while while the government is giving you someone else's money i mean there's so much wrong with it, and but we're, we're told all the time, because these things grow like cancers. Like, the, the, we give the power to the biggest party, but the biggest party consists of the votes, that, like, of, of people who said the most populistic things and promised the most free lunches. And their voters are comprised of people who cared more about belonging to a group than what that group actually thought. Individuals, individualists don't vote for big parties generally. Collectivists do, and tribalists do. So you get, collectivists will always win elections. Elections are in themselves a very left-wingy thing because they favor groupthink over individualism. And all of this is bad for everyone, but, but we're told it isn't. Because the people who benefit from it or think that they benefit from it by by rent seeking and taking other people's money, they're the ones who get to call the shots and get to, you know, control the narrative and tell us that this is the case. So, yeah, I believe democracy is one way of governing societies but I don't think it's an ultimate way of governing societies by any stretch of the imagination. And I think with, with Bitcoin, we have a shot at changing this because now we can interact with, with one another without rulers. So we don't have any self-proclaimed leaders that kidnap us from birth and tell us what to do. That That is all going away on a Bitcoin standard. At least that's what I hope. <laughs> and all the vectors are pointing in that direction if you look closely. We have this chance now. And I also believe I try to be an optimist. I, I believe that social media and video conferencing has made the planet a very much, very much smaller place. So when you can when you can collaborate with people by the click of a button anywhere in the world, you realize how ridiculous borders are. And you realize how ridiculous it is that that guy over there on the other end of my screen is operating in a society that has a different rule set than the one I'm in has. It's just it's just absurd that we should, you know, have different rules apply to us. We're, we're, we're both people. Like, it, it all becomes ridiculous. So if you don't want this dystopian constant boot to the face... Type of future Orwellian thing. If you don't want Nazis on the street, don't be a nationalist and don't be a socialist. Like be yourself and take responsibility for your actions and try to opt out of all of these corrupt systems as much as you can. Yeah. No, end of rant. (laughs) No,
1: that that was awesome. And I, I think one thing you said there that's super important is like kind of the difference between like what we see today and what could have been. I think that, you know, there's this argument made by people who are, you know, pro state and they say, Oh, you know, we need the state to build the roads and to quote unquote provide services, but they don't see the world that could have been if there wasn't this redistribution and and destruction of wealth. You know, when you have taxation, stealing people's money, and then, allocating it to, you know, mid-level bureaucrats who, you know, I mean, I I myself got a liberal arts degree, but, you know, who have a liberal arts degree and are trying to, like, run a complex system that's, like, you know, far beyond their capacity to be able to centrally plan it. Like, it, it really is an impossibility if we're, like, thinking at the largest scale. And yeah, I think it's, like, it really makes me think, like, what will a future on a Bitcoin standard look like? And something, you know, obviously, you've, you've popularized, you know, Bitcoin is everything divided by 21 million. And I mean, I think that's that's incredibly profound. And, you know, everyone op- often talks about Bitcoin as well as, as number go up technology. But I've also heard you say, you know, Bitcoin is is number go down technology. And I think that's a, a really great inversion. I mean, really, uh, I think it really shows the benefit of, you know, a non-inflationary economic system, like what, what that does to our ability to economize. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to hear your thoughts on like, what a bitcoinized world will look like like what does it really mean for everything to go down forever
2: it means a lot of things like and i think it's impossible for any single human to understand what that is because it's it's so vastly different from what we're living in now i would say it's it's not Mathematically speaking, it's not minus what we're living in now. It's one divided by what we're living in now. So it's the literal inverse of what whatever this is. And yeah, like I said before, I think the necessity for money goes down. So I think people will be more careful with, with what they buy. Not because they have too little money, but could, but because they, they know how powerful it is to not spend it instead of spending it. And uh, we will we will look back at this at the 20th century and say like oh that's when those idiots historical idiots thought that inflation was needed for for society to yeah, function it's, it's when but, everyone
1: thought that you could just cut a pizza into a much a bunch of smaller pizza pieces and you would get more pizza like what what a ridiculous concept
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes and i believe that that's the greatest lie ever told i mean there are many other great lies like yeah nation states and religions and whatnot but but inflation is a great lie because it's the literal opposite of the truth and you can see if you watch if you look at electronics i mean you have deflation in all technologies and this this system we're living in now needs inflation to match that but the deflation in technology is exponential. This is what Jeff Booth talks about all the time. And in in electronics, it, that the, the price inflation has not been able to keep up with the deflationary nature of electronics. And how, how much cheaper they are produce year, to produce year to year. So the price of a megabyte today, as compared to 1985, is just insanely cheap and has has that industry suffered from being from having deflationary prices no way on the contrary that they've they've been the single most successful industry on earth computers and electronics like and computer hardware there's no there's no industry like it and they've they've experienced deflationary prices since since they were invented so so the the, the notion that Inflation is necessary. It's it's just false. It's not only false. It's the opposite of what the actual truth is. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, it's it definitely is, feels like a silly time we're living in, and it also I think it just it also speaks to kind of the self defeating nature of an inflationary and re- redistributive economic system. Is like we're constantly creating rent seeking opportunities for people, which is creating. An upward redistribution in wealth, which then requires more taxation, quote unquote, to, you know, allow people to survive at the bottom. And I feel like it ultimately just ends up destroying more and more capital along the way. It's like this, this self-defeating feedback loop. And it's, I mean, it's quite sad, but also I think that's the reason for me and so many others, like Bitcoin represents hope to kind of transcend that, that like race to the bottom of this, like, I guess, type of socialism. At the end of the day yeah so i mean i think i mean listening to you speak i think i get so bullish on bitcoin i, I think it's just so evocative everything about about 21 million is like i i think it really speaks to how long term we can truly think like having to come to terms with the fact that like our our actions will reverberate throughout history forever and then i think that also makes clear the importance of the present moment too and i think you know in terms of human psychology i think that's so important if you see you know, a possible future ahead of you, you can act, I, I don't know, I think just so much more holistically, and, and better to yourself and other people. So I think that's, that's really what gets me excited about, about all of this. And I guess on that note, like, I'm curious, what drives you to share your thoughts with people to act in the way you do? I mean, obviously, you could just sit on the side and stack Bitcoin and keep to yourself, and, you know, keep a low profile. But I mean, it seems you've been incredibly motivated to to put yourself out there. So I'd be curious, like what how do you think about that in your life?
2: Yeah, well, I, I started writing just for for my own amusement, but then my writings got appreciated, and more and more appreciated. And I, like every other human being, I like appreciation, and I like, you know, having all this love around me. I. I I'm not ashamed of that. On the contrary, that that sort of fuels my fire and wants wants me to, to do these things more and and to to talk with people. And now now I have this Freedom Footprint show. I don't know if you've heard it. I, I have a Bitcoin pod or a Bitcoin philosophy podcast together with Luke the Sudofin. So we're releasing an episode every week where I talk to big names in Bitcoin and small names in Bitcoin for one to two hours. and I do all that not because I want a million views. I do it because I want to keep these bonds with all these people. And I want to nourish the relationships I've built in Bitcoin. Because at this point, like for me, you know, discovering Bitcoin, like in my early early 40s, and having this big change in my life happen, it feels like a second chance to to make something of myself. And I'm just gonna grab it by the balls and and see where it leads. Because it's I'm gonna regret it forever if I don't. So and so far, it, it has taken me to I mean, to places I never thought I'd I'd see and situations I never thought I'd be in. I mean, I'm 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 still not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but I know a billionaire, a prince, and a president at this point. Like, so what? <laughs> and all of that because I rambled about Bitcoin. So, so I'm just having a hell of a ride and having fun. So, uh, yeah, that's enough for me. And I, I I don't really care about, you know, fortune and fame. I just I, I just want to. Do what I love doing and uh, hang out with people that I, I trust and I believe to have sound ideas and have interesting conversations with them. That's what I love to do. So that's what I try to do most.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're all better for it too. Like I, I, I love listening to and reading your work. I think it's, I mean, it's super educational, but it is, it is fun. Like, And I think that's for me, like one of the things Bitcoin has reintroduced into my life is like this proclivity for spontaneity and self-expression. I think under a fiat standard, like you're so, like there's kind of this specter hanging over you of, you know, potential deplatforming, but also just like this kind of overwhelming surveillance and kind of this chilling effect on people's willingness and proclivity to express themselves. And I think at the end of the day, it's like when people don't have to be thinking through you know, every last consideration of their action and can just express themselves. I think that really leads to like much healthier social dynamics as well. And like yeah, for me, like I, I was, you know, I didn't really relish the idea of being a public persona. But like, as I came into Bitcoin, I was like, you know what, that, that sounds pretty fun. Like, let me give it a go and and kind of be spontaneous with it and see where it takes me. And I think, I think everyone could be well served to like incorporate more of that into their lives. And I mean, I think you're you're a great example of that. You know, you're, you're having fun, and you're you're talking about about Bitcoin and doing the things that that animate you, and you know it's taken you quite a long ways. So I think, I mean, for me, that's that's quite inspiring for sure.
2: Well, thank you. I mean, it is a double-sided coin. I mean, I, I'm pretty okay with the <laughs> attention I get now, but like having that 10x or 100x, so I'm all of a sudden like a famous person. I I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't think so. Because I mean, stuff can get pretty overwhelming pretty quick if if you have a, a a fast rise rise to fame. Fortunately, we're early in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is still pretty small. So, yeah, I guess at some point I'll just stop traveling around the world and you know be with my family a little more and hide away somewhere. But and the thing the thing with attention and having a reputation and all that is that. You you can't take it back. You like you can't reverse the process. So uh, so people should think twice before they throw their name out there. I I attach my name to my stuff because I just read Skin in the Game by Nicholas Taleb, and uh, that book inspired me to to do that because I knew that if I had something to lose, that is my reputation, my work would be better better off for it. And I think that worked for me. I mean, I take more pride in my in my writing because i attached my name to it and i wanted to you know be public about about what i thought and all that so but it's definitely a double-sided coin i encourage people who want to be anonymous to be anonymous i mean you can you can you can still have a uh, many of my best friends in bitcoin are anonymous like fractal or dd or Whoever, and they can do the same thing from an anonymous account. So if you can, if you can keep that privacy, it's, it's probably for the better. It's not for everyone to be known. Yeah, but each to its own, I guess, and it's a personal decision.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, listening to you there, I, I think like I, I don't know if anyone necessarily or well adjusted people relish the idea of being famous, I think that sounds like a large burden that might you know reduce your quality of but as far as like your your plans for the future is there there anything is there anything that you're working on or new ideas that you've encountered that are that are inspiring you anything you know your
2: fans can can expect from you going forward well right now I'm working on a praxeology book, and when I'm done with that we're turning that into a course on Emerilize app. Emerilize is a fascinating new bitcoin project it's a cross between me and the lightning network basically so you you can sell courses for sats and you can do that in because it's the lightning network you can do that in any way you want you can give sats back if people finish the course and so on and so forth and you can give bad badges on public private key badges and awards to people so so looking forward to that project a lot and then I'm doing quite a bit of traveling this year. So I'm going now to Germany this weekend and then Bergen, Norway, the weekend after that. Sydney in April, another place in Germany in April. Miami in May. Hope to see you there. And Sydney, no, I said Sydney already, I think. Yeah, Prague in June. Yeah, in. Uh, okay. Is that in September, or October? I can't remember. And then there's in, India, Bitcoin for India in Bangalore. So I'm going to a lot of places and you know, trying to connect with Bitcoiners, and I'm basically throwing things at the wall and see what sticks at this point, at this point, and trying to hop onto the things I find interesting and funny, fun to do. So, who knows? I just released the rehash of my old two books, Sovereignty Through Mathematics and Independence Reimagined, is now available as Bitcoin, Sovereignty, and Independence, with the hardcover and everything, and a foreword by Prince Philip of Serbia. Oh, wow. Very cool. So, so, so check that out if you want. It's, a, it's pinned on my profile. So that's that's the current thing for me. And apart from that, working on the Praxeology book and trying to come up with talks for all these con- conferences. Then, yeah, we'll see where it leads. Awesome. Well,
1: if that's the current thing for you, I, I support the current thing. Is, is what I'll say. But I also, yeah, highly recommend everyone check out Knut's work, Independence Reimagined, Sovereignty Through Mathematics, and Bitcoin, everything divided by 21 million. Um, Knut also has just some amazing podcasts out there. have been super inspirational for me, I'll say. And yeah, I really look forward to meeting you in Miami. I'll be there on May 18th through 20th with the rest of the Bitcoin Magazine and Bitcoin Bitcoin Conference teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. I wrecked I I recommend everyone save ten percent on their tickets. Use code COSMIC at checkout. You can also get ten percent off everything in the Bitcoin magazine store there. So magazines, Bitcoin art, merch. It's pretty yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. A really high high signal, low noise event. I think the people that are that are attending are gonna be people building for the long term. So should be should be a blast. And yeah, Knut, Chris, anything else you guys want to leave our audience with or are we we get a rapid ear.
3: I'm good, I'm good on my end. Can you, anything else? I'll kick it over to you.
2: No, just a basic shill. <laughs> check out KnutSwanum.com for my merch. And you find my books at consensus.network or bitcoinbook.shop. That's where you can pay, pay pay them with Bitcoin. Pay for them with Bitcoin. And yeah, check out the Freedom Footprint show if you haven't yet. New episode every week. And yeah, we're, we're having fun there. So hope to see you all at one of the conferences and uh, keep keep doing Satoshi's work. <laughs> yeah, take care, everyone. This is, this was great fun. Thank you for letting me rant about this and that
1: for so long. Anytime, I love to hear it. Thanks so much for coming on, Knut. I look forward to meeting you in Miami. It's going to be a blast. Cheers, everyone.
0: My fellow clubs, come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at oh, Bitcoin 2023. Cheers. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code Live to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free, and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. As
3: 2023
0: begins, the broke issue stares head-on into the looming realities of a broken economy, a more broke central bank, and considers how Bitcoiners can share their knowledge, their projects, and their mentalities to remain strong economic nodes throughout the winter. As a global Bitcoin news medium with a mission to accelerate hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoin Magazine is for all Bitcoiners, the curious, convicted, and the maximalists. Inside Bitcoin Magazine, you will find exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, and powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Each issue will be shipped safely in a secure box mailer to protect the integrity of each copy. Print magazines, not money. Buy Bitcoin Magazine.